Welcome to the Mario's Podcast. You're listening to a series on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is episode four. So if you are just joining us, guess what? You can binge listen all four episodes on your favorite podcast app or at mariosministries.com. And I do recommend you go back now and start with episode one if you haven't done so. That will provide you with the necessary context and background for today's discussion. I am so thankful that you're listening, though. I believe God is speaking to us through this study and revealing himself to us in very special ways. So I hope you endure until the end. Today, the God of Abraham, part four. We left Abraham after receiving a reiteration of God's promise towards him and actually receiving a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Remember that term? And do you remember what was the sign? That's right. It was circumcision. God also changed Abraham's name to Abraham, for he was going to be the father of multitudes. God also changed Sarai's name to Sarah. Abraham then did what God asked of him. On the very day he received the message from God, he circumcised himself, Ishmael, the son he had had with Hagar, which we also learned was not the son of the promise, and his whole household. So we pick up now in Genesis chapter 18. Here we learn that the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre. The text tells us he looked up and saw three quote-unquote men. We'll discuss more about why I'm putting that in quotes. And he ran to them. He bowed before them and listened to how he speaks. O oh Lord, he says, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. And in that manner, he offered them refreshment and rest through his hospitality. Abraham seems to recognize these men, these beings, as coming from God by the way he treats them. One of them seems to speak from the Lord. Some have suggested that this was the presence of the pre-incarnate Jesus, but we have nothing to really go on that. Perhaps we can say they are heavenly beings. I'll show you in a second why. But whoever they are, These men from God accept Abraham's invitation and he and Sarah work to make them feel honored. As they eat, they ask Abraham, where is your wife? And he says she is in a tent. This is important. I want to slow down here so that we can all get what is happening. The Lord is going to speak. And with this sort of calling out to Sarah, It's almost like he was drawing her in. She needs to hear what God is going to say. She is in fact standing behind the door and will now surely be attentive. Here's why I say this is important. In the Hebrews 11 passage we have already referenced in previous episodes, the Hall of Faith passage, as it is known, Abraham's faith is not the only one mentioned there. Sarah's is also mentioned independent of Abraham. Here's Hebrews 11.11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, 
even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Do you see that? By faith, Abraham believed God, but it was also by faith that Sarah herself will conceive past her childbearing years. Don't forget that as we read this scene. The scriptures tells us that the Lord said to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, before we get into Sarah's reaction, let us consider that the term Lord here is different from the term that Abraham used when he first saw the man. In our English Bible, the difference can be missed because it is merely identified as Lord in minuscule letters or Lord in small capital letters. The term Abraham used in the beginning is in minuscule letters. It is the Hebrew word Adonai, meaning Lord or Master. But here, when Scripture tells us who is speaking, the term is Lord in small caps. It means Yahweh, which you've probably heard was not pronounced for the Jews, but it refers to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Israelites specifically. So what we're about to hear are the very words of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what this, the Lord said in verse 10 means. It can get confusing with the three beings, but let's stay alert. Now, Sarah, again, is listening to this behind the tent, and she laughs, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? On the one hand, you can sympathize with her, just as we did with Abraham. Think about it. The Lord gave this promise to Abraham decades before when they were younger, and nothing happened. That was the whole Hagar episode, right? They can't have children, so they are going to help God fulfill his promise. God rejected that and insists he will bear a son, even now. It is almost as if God wanted to wait until the day when they could not, humanly speaking, rear children beyond any medical issues that she might have had, so as to leave no doubt who was bringing this child about. The time is now when both Abraham and Sarah scientifically are unable to bear children. And that is the point, isn't it? It is as though this is the perfect time now for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to shine. The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and said, Shall I indeed bear a child now in that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That question still reverberates throughout the earth's atmosphere today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Remember that as you face your own struggles, your own impossible promise. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is plain, which is why Sarah sort of come to her senses and realizing what she has done, She tries to deny that she had laughed because she was afraid, which is, of course, another boneheaded move. Can we hide anything from God? Of course not. And God calls Sarah out on it. 
on verse 15 saying, No, but you did laugh. Always remember, let the fear of the Lord lead you to repentance. There is no fool in God. We will fail, but we can go to Him. He is our Father, and He will not reject a contrite heart. But do not lose sight of what we're doing here. We are getting to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in a very meaningful way. Nothing is impossible for him, and nothing is hidden from him. He is omniscient, that is, he knows everything. He is omnipotent, that is, he is all-powerful. This is our God. The story then shifts. Genesis 18.16 tells us that the men that were with Abraham looked down toward Sodom. This is where Abraham's nephew Lot chose to live. Abraham goes to send them on their way, and God says, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? He continued, For I have chosen him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Again, we must step back and stand in awe of this God. The God of Abraham cares. He's going to reveal his plan to Abraham out of his great love for his children. He's going to invite him in, into his plan, and reveal his sovereign will. The Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. The story tells us that the men that were visiting him went towards Sodom. But the Lord remained with Abraham. Then Abraham drew near to God and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Would you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing. Abraham is assuming, as we all do most times, that there are about fifty-fifty righteous and unrighteous in any given city. Don't we assume that? But that is not reality. The Lord tells him, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. So Abraham presses the matter. Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, he says, I who am but dust and ashes, suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Would you destroy a whole city for lack of five? So he's asking if there's 45. God again is clear. I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Abraham continues this line of thought and asks about 40, 30, 20. And the Lord answers him with incredible love and patience on each, even emphasizing, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord leaves. Friends, listen closely, especially you young one. Or if you have kids, 
We have a great generation today that is eager to fight for justice. Listen closely. You are not more compassionate than Jesus. You are not more loving than our God. You're not even close to being as interested in the well-being of the poor, the marginalized, and the oppressed than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Indeed, if you want to fight for justice, stop following the fads of the world and come under the guidance and the authority of Scripture, of the word of the one true judge of heaven and earth. It is the only way to truly change the world. We get to chapter 19 here in the book of Genesis, where scripture reveals to us that the two that left Abraham were angels who are now entering Sodom. Lot was at the gate and seized them, bowed before them and asked them to come to his house to spend the night, similar to the way Abraham received them. Somehow they both knew these were messengers from God. They refused at first, saying they would only stay at the town square, but he insists and they acquiesce. He serves them, but soon the hospitality turns to horror, as the real reason why God has sent the angels there is revealed. The wickedness of the people of Sodom, except Lot, had become so great that they headed down to Lot's house and demanded that he gave the two angels to them that they may, quote, know them, end quote. This phrase, to know them, of course, is the same type of phrase used in Genesis 4.1 when Adam knew his wife Eve and she became pregnant. So we know the level of corruption that the Sodomites had reached. It is hard for us to imagine but we can see why God had heard the cry against these people who wanted to sexually assault strangers in this manner. Verse 4 of chapter 19 tells us that both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house to demand this. Lot went out to try to calm them down, saying, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. But they are enraged now. The level of tension is so violent that Lot offers to bring out his two daughters instead. We really don't know if he's just trying to buy time, for this is a horrible proposition too. But they are not having it anyway, and they push against him, threatening to deal with him even worse than with the angels who they intended to grab by force. Verse 9 says that they drew near to break the door down. When the angels reached out, grabbed Lot, and brought him in, they struck everyone with blindness. And as you can imagine, chaos ensued. They tell Lot and his family to get out of the city, for they will destroy it. Lot tells his sons-in-law, who are supposed to marry his two daughters, but they don't take him seriously. The angels say to him, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. The angel seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, Scripture says. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. Just think of the patience and care of the God of Abraham. The angel tells him, 
escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. Lot pleads to be allowed to go to a nearby city, and he is allowed to do so. The angel says, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city in which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Lot gets there with the rising of the sun, and scripture tells us, The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew the cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. This too is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, friends. He will not put up with wickedness forever. He will intervene on behalf of the oppressed. Be encouraged in your struggle. And woe to those who are the oppressors. They will know true justice. We'll pick it up here next time. I will put my trust in God who alone knows my makeup. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob.